The Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. Firstly, thank you to these three. To get these three on a panel is simply amazing. Um, I know they're all very, very busy individuals and I'm really appreciative of your time today. So thank you for that. Um, I just really want to start a conversation around how the tourism industry has evolved. We know, obviously, during the pandemic, you know, tourism was one of the things that was hardest hit. Um, but, you know, the industry seems to be very much alive and returned in strength in last year. So for yourselves, what have been the key challenges, really, in the tourist market, I'm thinking of you know the staffing. I'm thinking of accommodation. I'm thinking of water shortages. You've all run very key resorts, so I like you kick off, Sean. Um, so uh, our challenges have been uh, mainly around people. I think that's been the first challenge, and uh, it's not just here and, and in this industry. It seems to be in all industries across the world. Um, I was speaking to uh, some friends of mine in Ireland last week. They've in various different industries. They've got the same challenge, and uh, I, I, it's hard to put your finger on where that has come from. You know, a lot of people. I think during the pandemic, moved into retail because retail was consistent and it was moving, uh, and it never closed. So that's certainly one element of it, and retail pay a, pers a particular price and there's probably opportunities to grow with these big chains around the world uh, i come from retail myself I'm, I'm, my initial background is all retail so i can understand the pace of it so i think we lost a lot from our sector to retail and uh, that's one piece of it but it's a, it doesn't explain the big gap that seems to be out there what about the the universities? I know I was doing a couple of events up in the University of Algarve, and I was talking to you know the hospitality sector, and um, they were very keen to work you know with the key resorts and you know so that they could get placements in for students and indeed place students after they have finished their qualification. Um, I think you know one of the key challenges for them was pricing or pay, basically. How have you found that? Uh, for, well, for me, we're, we're speaking to a lot of the universities um, and uh, we have a lot of students coming down now. Accommodation is a, is a key factor of it. Um, and we're building accommodation, but I think there is a need in, uh, in this area and certainly in the Algarve for a destination that is for workers and for is is um, not just student accommodation because that is another big gap but workers accommodation and workers villages and that's something that we're keen to get behind and to be part of with with other resorts that you're working on as well yeah certainly um and i think well good morning first of all i think the situation with the staffing and 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 our teams is something that is we are all in any business very sensitive to that and even today we talk so much about uh, uh, intelligent and our artificial intelligence but still in our business people do make a difference and it will always be like that in tourism and resorts and all that so for us it's key to be able to overcome 
this this problem. And for this, again, and this is something we've been talking also with Quinta and with Katia and so on, we need to get together. And yeah, certainly the staffing, and it's a common problem, and providing accommodation and even the fact that they can commute and share experiences could be something we need to work together. Yeah, I think that was something that I was very interested in, whether, you know, there was cross communication between all of the resorts, because as you said earlier, Sean, you aren't in competition with each other, but you are all, you know, experiencing the same issues. And if there would, could be some sort of common agreement or sharing of skill sets, who knows? Good morning, everyone. Um, I think that also it has to do with the generation. Um, we have a lot of skilled workers or maybe not so skilled workers in the Algarve. So we all depend on, on universities and finishing schools and everything. The big problem here is that the young people these days, they want fast career development. And a lot of them want to move on very quickly. And sometimes in this industry, things take time, you gain experience, it's all about people. And, and I think that this is one of the big, big issues we as a private hotel resort are facing. We employ about a thousand people uh, between all our companies. And the biggest challenge is finding new talent. And everyone's got some sort of talent, but it's just, you know, touching into that and um, getting people to understand that it takes time to move in their careers. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have these days is with the young people is that they want to move too fast. I think, I think that's not just new or, you know, exclusive to the tourism industry. I think we find it in our own, like in, in the world that I work in, in wealth and tax. So, you know, you have young people coming in and they think, you know, experience, it takes years. It takes years to, to develop. They want it right now, but they want the salary to go with it. Exactly. That's the, the other issue. <laughs> Low salaries in this industry. Yeah. So the, one of the other key challenges would be around um, water, water shortages here. You know, I'd be interested to know how each of you and the different resort are, what are you, what are you doing to support or help with that? Um, well, from our point of view, from um, Villa Vita Park, we have our own desalinization plant. We've had it since 2015, and that has allowed us to save on a lot of water, which we use in all our gardens, all our pools, all our lakes. So that has been a big help, and we use the byproduct, which is salt in all of our restaurants and kitchens, and so nothing is wasted. And I'm sure that... Uh, both the resorts that are here do a little bit the same thing in, in terms of water, water saving and the gardens, changing the kind of um, plants we work with, uh, that sort of thing. So I'm, I know I that, that Sean... probably be key, Sean, in, in Quinta de Lago, particularly on the golf courses. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, waiting to finalise the uh, treatment plant with the municipality. We, have, we need the water to come from Faro, so it's a huge investment. Um, but that's well underway. It's probably 85% there now. But in the past couple of years and during the pandemic, we took the opportunity to revamp our south course, which you're on the first tee here at the south course. And we changed the grass type and our irrigation system at the time. We put in, we spent about 7 million on the golf course. Um, and, you know, we saved 60% of our water because by changing that grass type. There's a huge amount of work taking place with providers of the grass seeds now across the world. Gold crop, um, 
and uh, they're here actually at the moment. I had a meeting with him this morning about another new development that's in trial. And we're hoping to become their trial destination across Europe um, for these grass types. Because even if once we change to recyclable water, we have to see, is it going to work? Is it going to, is our grass types going to survive? Golf was a huge part of the tourism industry for Portugal. Uh, sorry? They're very fussy. They're very fussy, especially if you're trying to command a high price. Um, they're quite fussy and rightly so. So, yeah, there's there's a lot we're we're trying to do uh, in in Fakinta here. All, all the water for you know, as you drive in, you see very nicely manicured uh, flower beds and stuff. That's already all uh, 100% recycled. But I think we've you know we had a, a very wet winter, and people have forgotten that already. And where's all that water gone to? So there's a big conversation to be had here. And I don't think we can just accept all the pressure being put onto resorts and golf courses. We need to come up with, you know, collective and suggested ideas through the right channels of how we capture the water and how we hold it um, at source. You know, on the, on the development and architecture within, you know, Cronus Homes, obviously that is something that you will be continually be mindful of. How's, of yeah, of course. And uh, sustainability is a must have at the moment for, for everyone. It's no longer a wishful thinking is no longer just in your, in your list. It has to be in your top list. And of course, for us, water consumption and, and, and everything we do, we're very conscious about that in all our projects, in all our resorts. Uh, the same as in Quinta in Val Global, we work very closely with uh, InfraLobo um, on, on systems that would uh, help us, of course, to preserve the water and, and to be very conscious on that. And for example, in one of our projects, Palmage, another resort uh, uh, we own and we manage, most of our plants are native plants. So we give priority to native plants because, of course, we know water is still scarce. Also on construction methods, and this is something we'll be introducing also in Valdo Lobo, we work with BREAM certification. And BREAM, of course, is a very strong quality stem for sustainability. And we have that in our project in Palmage, and we will be introducing that also in all our real estate projects in Valdo Lobo. Okay, so we looked a bit more. But with Vinovita, I... Um... We did a, an agricultural conference in Villa Vita last October, and it's something that I'm quite passionate about. I think it must be the Irish in me in the green fields. Um, <laughs> you know, and also this idea of, you know, we I touched on it on the earlier panel about the fresh availability of good food products and everything else and wellness. So within your own resorts, how has that been developed? I know, Sean, you had some sort of interest in farming maybe within i want to hear more about that yeah um well i'm a country guy from ireland so i'm interested in farming I no i can't get us out of it so yeah you know that a number of years ago if you're familiar with quinto de lago you would have remembered the jim stewart's uh, tennis center across the road which was you know served a huge purpose here with the in quinto de lago for a number of years when we built the campus, obviously we didn't need that facility there anymore. So we turned that into uh, a farm and it was a farm for particular types of vegetables that the chefs were always complaining about, couldn't get. Um, obviously it's not big enough. So we extended it out to a place out the road that we have. We have a couple of acres out there, um, uh, our hectares. And, and uh, almost everything that you would have in pure, for instance, would come from that farm. Eventually, we would like to get to the stage we would like to get to is our food footprint on our menus. 
and we will pick her a restaurant for that. I mentioned earlier on we we're going back to uh, Portuguese style cuisine for for Casavela. It doesn't really make sense having a French restaurant there, although it's beautiful and it, and it's very nice. If we want to go down this route of sustainability, so it's um, all of our products for there will be as local as possible. Will be from the Algarve. Will be from our farm. And, uh, you know, you don't save money, by the way, having a farm or growing your own vegetables. It's far, far cheaper to buy it off a supplier because you have to pay for machine. You have to, yeah, this is a real farmer moment. We don't get enough rain. <laughs> um, we need a grant, basically. But, you know, it's, but it does make such a difference on the quality. And it does make such a difference on your statement for your brand of what you want to do of sustainability and your footprint of your product. Yes, I can relate to that because we have, uh, as probably most of you know, Herdad dos Gros in the Alentejo, which is a working farm with, uh, with uh, 1,100 hectares. And of those, uh, most of it is for, of course, uh, wine production, but we do have about 500 heads of cattle up there, which we raise organically together with uh, other produce like vegetables, uh, uh, teas and herbs. And all this is used in our resort. Um, most of it is organic. Um, it's it's used in our resorts and in our restaurant, particularly. Uh, we also have um, a a butcher in in Borges near the beer garden, which uh, most of our meat comes from the farm. So um, it, it's a big part of what clients are asking for these days, and it's part big part of our communication. Just like Sean was saying, it really it really is important for the brand, and I think that. Uh, more and more people are more conscious about what they, what they eat and where it comes from. And uh, just like uh, Sean was saying, we, we've had already in the last two years, one of our restaurants, Atlantico, which uh, used to be also a French restaurant, funnily enough. Um, but because of the pandemic, we couldn't bring any of the products over from, from France. So we decided to change completely the concept of that restaurant and become more sustainable also. So it's become a 100% organic restaurant with 90% vegetarian products. And in fact, the whole concept of it is that your main dish is vegetarian and your side dish is a protein, mainly fish or seafood. And it all comes from the Algarve within 200 kilometers. So we're also pushing our suppliers to also um, adhere to this sustainability and also provide us also with the same um, uh, kind of concepts and uh, also be sustainable and reduce. How difficult is that with the suppliers? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and, and we impose that on them. We just work with suppliers that, that provide the same kind of, um, have the same kind of mindset. So it, it is difficult and it is more costly. So um, sometimes people say, oh, it's expensive, but it's not. I mean, quality is is something that uh, people must pay well, for. I think you have the just the more discerning traveler now. Absolutely. You know, they and demand more. More and more. And as I said, it's not just Europeans. We have more and more Americans and people are conscious about what they eat and how they live. Well, again, we can relate to that. Um, in Palmash, for example, when we started our restaurant, which is now a Michelin star restaurant, Al Sud, and it was just before the, pandem the, the pandemic, we could have brought an international restaurant. Our client was mainly international, but we thought, let's work with local producers. Let's bring the oysters from Alvor. That's, um, you know, go to Alentejo. And it's mainly also seafood from the Algarve. So that is something we take it very seriously. And again, going back to what clients 
ask in this new trends, um, most of our clients are Americans. And actually the first thing they do when they arrive is like, I want to try the black pork. What about your oysters? The one I've heard about, you know, that you, you have the nurseries there in Alvor. So it's actually the client that asks us that. And I think very soon with all us behind having Portuguese cuisine and Algarvian cuisine is going to become a world known cuisine because it is something that uh, we take very seriously. And we want to continue this trend of also helping local producers um, by having yeah, I think exactly. that was one of the things that the that just blew my mind as well. was the, the the quality of local producers that there are here. They're sort of like hiding in the shadows somewhere, but they're there as well. You know, yeah, make it viable and it's economic um, for them. I think when we were done in in Villa Vita, I met a young guy. They were beekeepers, and I mean, amazing product. There was just her and her husband keeping bees. And they had this uh, product called Bees in a Tube. And I took it and put it into like corporate gifting at Christmas. And it just blew people's mind. It was there. They'd never heard about it. And it's the same with uh, a lot of people will do, you know, the, the, the bucket and spade holiday will always be required. People want that. But there's so much more in the Algarve that is unknown. And we just have to get out and find it. Um, the, the other, sorry, Kata, the other thing I was going to come on to was the seasonality. And I remember listening to Sean back in 2019. And um, Sean was talking about the demograph of, uh, you know, and seasonality of tourists and people coming in and how to shore up, you know, the leaner months. How's that going? Yeah, it's going very well. Um, it it went to plan so far. We had a bit of a bump in 2021 and 2022, but um, yeah, no, it's it's worked really well. We focused very much. Obviously, the campus was a, a big game changer for us. That was probably the biggest game changer we had, and that brought you know what we wanted to do there. You know, building the campus was to take away a lot of the shoulder months to build a community, um, to bring people into the resort on a daily basis that doesn't live in Quinta del Lago and make them a part of the community. And that has worked a lot. Like uh, you've got this morning when I was down there, there was, there was 25 people going out on a bicycle ride. There was the campus uh, or the paddle tournaments full. I did hear about that to our bike thing on Sunday. Somebody invited yeah. me, but politely declined. Yeah, no, it's nice to drive along behind them or in front of them. But uh uh, you know, that, that was a big part of it. But then also what that has done was bringing in international teams and people that would never have been to the Algarve or to Portugal even. And, you know, these football players and rugby players from around the world and, and then they become investors, not just investors in Quinto de Lago, but investors outside of Quinto de Lago because they see uh, parts of Portugal, which is something that we very much push for them to do. Um and then we we also put a lot of effort into our marketing and uh, our style of marketing and promoting our own golf events, programs, all these kind of things. You know, in twenty eighteen, just after we had spoken or before we had spoken, was we were eighty five percent reliant on tour operators. Uh, that's not the case anymore. In fact, we're about sixty percent, and at various different times, only fifty percent. So we still have a great relationship with them when we need them, but. We have um, we we build our own events and build our own experiences, and that's what we want to continue to do. I think coming back to seasonality, I think we're all experiencing that 
it's changing and thank God because uh, we've all we all know that summer here can be very busy and the winter can be a little bit slow but I think that um, already last year from a hospitality point of view it was an absolute boom in tourism and I think I'm not the only one to say that we were all running very high occupancies uh, throughout the year from February, March onwards, which was unheard of before. And this year, the trend is continuing, which is really encouraging because we all were fearing this war with Ukraine and the energy crisis and the inflation, and that would like hit everyone really hard. But fortunately, I think that we can all say that... Um, there has been practically no difference between spring and what we see coming for the summer. And we personally are running occupancies of 85% plus since March. And that's that's very unheard of, I must say. And, uh, and this all has to do with, I think, a lot of the promotion that we all do, the marketing. But also, I think, like Ryanair was explaining, you know, the more flights, and that's a big issue for the Algarve, the more flights, of course, the better. And uh, and definitely that's one of the points that needs to continue growing. And the government needs to help uh, help us all with that because uh, the taxing is a big problem, and and that's the fiscal charge for all the companies. But are they huge. helping? You know that. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Well, well, you know that better than I do. But um, it, it needs a lot of work. It does. Yes. Well, certainly those were the days where the Algarve was just sun. And beach, you know, I think uh, we we all know that the Algarve is so much to offer nowadays, and I think we do have different clients that actually appreciate coming here in winter. So I we don't feel so much the seasonality. And again, then comes the human resources problem, where before we were all just worried about having the people in summer for peak. Now we need them all year round. So these new clients that are coming for us, and especially for example the Americans, they do enjoy coming winter. And then when they come to the Algarve, they explore the region. They don't just come to Valdo global to Quinta, they actually want to go to the mountains. They want to know more about the region. So I think, again, working together on this cross-selling, it would, could only bring more, uh, you know, people into the region and um, uh, uh, fight against the seasonality. Okay. So they, I know in my work, you know, that's what I deal with. I sort of help people relocate into Portugal. And, and one of their key concerns when they come is going, where am I going to live? Where am I going to go? You know, and they're looking at all of the different places up and down the, the length and breadth of the Algarve. And each of them have a very different offering. And some people maybe didn't even want to be on the coast. They want to be up in the hills. Um, so I'm always telling them to rent and explore. Um, but, you know, accommodation is a big thing. Architecturally speaking, Alda, I'm thinking of yourself and the different resorts. What uh, is your company doing to support with that? Well, um, with all our resorts, basically our resorts are touristic, beside the fact that it's not, but they are touristic uh, developments. So you always have the chance to rent first, to experience the resort, um, you know, feel. So how people can do that within yes, the resort. We can do that. Uh, we have one of, projects, one of the projects we just uh, launched now is Salema Beach Village in the Western Coast. So um, you can stay there, you can rent for six months for even for a year experience the resort and then it could be your stepping stone to then buy a property and be part of the development and you can still continue renting for the others to come so most of our projects that we have uh, in our portfolio currently are actually touristic developments where you can own 
but you can also rent property. So this could be, of course, an option and again, the stepping stone. And certainly we, we incentivize and we see that very much in the Western coast. Of course, in the Western coast, you know, prices are slightly different. We are further away from the airport with all the benefits that that also brings. But, you know, in terms of pricing, which is uh, for us, uh, and for all the clients, also a sensitive matter, because to rent a property for six months um, in Valdlova and in Quinta could be quite experienced as a test. Um, so there are also other alternatives in the West Coast and in the interior that, um, you know, could fit more of the criteria. Sure. Um, yeah, well, we, we've, we've um, customers that, uh, as I mentioned, that, you know, the campus being the game changer for us of, in, of let people be comfortable living wherever they want, they're still welcome to be in Quintana Lago. So it's, that's, uh, that has, I think, been a big change for us for the last number of years. Um, people do come now, especially during the, the pandemic, people came here and rented here for uh, quite a period of time. And they hadn't been here in a long time, a number of years, and some of them never before. And that was a big change for them. Um, obviously, prices went up. So some, in some cases, the the price point was a bit too much to, to buy into. Um, but certainly, they could explore um, the Algarve and live in different places. You know, and it's easy to get around. No matter where you are here, you're 15 minutes away from something amazing or five minutes away, whatever you want to be. So, yeah, all, all of that helps the infrastructure that's expanding now out to the more rural areas of you know, broadband and Wi-Fi and everything else. It's, it's, uh, it's improved so much. So things are a lot easier. I, I was with a client uh, before yesterday at the, the front desk. They were Canadians. And uh, funnily enough, they were here for five days and they, they were saying, oh, what can we see? What is there to see around? Where can we go? So... You know, and they wanted to, within three days in this, they wanted to do everything, including into Seville. So it was it was kind of funny to watch because we're not used to that. And more and more, we're getting more and more clients that are wanting to discover the Algarve. And what we think is, they, they think it's so great to see that and and especially in terms of uh, particularly the north american kind of guests which i think we're all experiencing these days quite a lot they they are moving here they are coming to live here obviously sometimes they come and stay in a hotel and experience uh, the hotel first and then decide to buy a property here but there are more and more of them coming and it's now our third market as a hotel um, in terms of, of business um, business mix. Uh, usually it's been German and, and English, but the Americans are coming in strong and I think they, they're changing a lot of things and the way things uh, are perceived. Very discerning. Very discerning. Yeah, very, very difficult. Yeah, so yeah. How are you all sort of... It, what are you doing to, to support them with that? Well, I mean, we've, we've uh, always, in the last... 10, 15 years, we've we've also uh, wanted to attract this kind of market as well as stands and, and other different markets. And we already 10 years ago started creating what we call the 10 plus one, which is the 10 blessed places in the Algarve to see, plus one, which is our Alentejo property. But within those 10 places, we, we, we created 10 uh, things to do and see in the Algarve, which was nothing to do with beach or golf or the usual thing that you do in the Algarve. So it was more more, more about discovering nature, discovering the culture and the heritage. That's why the agricultural conference is 
little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> so definitely, I think that we need to do more to promote the other side the Algarve, the real Algarve. And as Alda was saying, uh, you know, Salema is a beautiful little village on the on the west coast of the Algarve, which is untouched by tourism and by development. And, and let's see how long it stays like that. But it's one of those little villages that people are attracted to because it's one of the last fishing villages that still exists. And, and it's very, very quaint. So I if think definitely believe, we need to do more to, to promote the other parts of the Algarve. Hello, my name is Dietmar Goetz and I'm the founder of Four Experience, maybe out of your childhood. They represent, uh, you know, their main nationality in Palmach, for example, in one of our projects. And I think what we've learned is like being very authentic. And that's what these clients, you know, look for. And I think at the moment you can travel anywhere on the world. You can just put your bucket list and just go and explore. So what do you appreciate by coming in Portugal is the authenticity. And this is what we find with these clients. And I'll say, look, I don't want the Porsche things or whatever. I maybe just want to go and meet the fishermen and speak to them and go to the local markets. And this we find whether they stay in Quinta, in Valdelobo, but also in the Western coast. So for if us, you believe you can the Western coast, in Palmares and again Salema, this is what they appreciate. They know exactly what they're coming for. Well, again, it's that diversity thing. You exactly. know, they offer in all options. And unspoiled, the and, unspoiled part of it. And I'm sure course. most of you here tried uh, razor clam picking. So I definitely recommend that it's something really fun to do and it's something just you do here in the Algarve. If you. Will that. The other thing that. Um, the other thing that I'm noticing is, uh, is you know, talking up in the uh, Tech Hub in the Algarve University and a lot of younger people that are coming to actually live here um, and make it their home. So when people with young families come, it's a completely different dynamic coming in as a retired. You know, they're looking at schools, they're looking at healthcare. Again, how are each of the resorts adapting to suit that demi Um, That was certainly one of our, our journeys for the last number of years. Uh, in 2016, I, I think I mentioned this before, but in 2016, 85% of our new home buyers were in their Hi. late 60s, early 70s. And I'm think it was more early 70s. And it was typically, obviously, retired people that got to know later than 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 they should have about the tax by the community and, and in this were very please stay safe to take away the shorter months and we'll give them more activities to do and then everybody not only the algarve but for if you the, believe you can not very much there. um in 2019 80 85 percent of our new home buyers were in their late 50s and these are people that are next generation wealth are um people that have are selling companies it seems to be in particular it companies there must have been a huge sale of it companies in the past couple of years but it's also opened up the door for you know other other nationalities we were very dependent on irish and english um, there's a lot more Portuguese buying here, South African and Americans. You know, I, I spoke on Sunday morning at an event that was uh, here in, in Portugal of the Young Presidents uh, Association or, uh, of the world. And it was 55 men and women that were all presidents or CEOs or, or business owners 
that were from America or Canada. And they were just blown away by Portugal. It was unbelievable. And it's funny you should say that they like to travel a bit. More. They had, they said, well, I have three hours to spare. What's the furthest point I can get to within the three hours? And what should I do? Yeah, I told them to go to Marufos. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's, they wanted it jam-packed of, you know, how much can I see? And I, and I walked away saying, you know, I'm here six years and these guys are here three days and they would have seen more than I did of this local area. But that is, that is the, the, the new era of people that are coming, the new travel experience, they're living here. The average age of that group was around 50, 55 years old. So it was very interesting. And, um, you know, the, the euro is still very cheap to them. So and it's going to be a big experience from coming down here. Um, well, I think that for your question about young families coming to live here, I think more and more people are coming down to live here because of the quality of life, because of the safetyness of the country. It's still very affordable too. And, and I think we have great infrastructures, great schools, international schools. Um, and, and of course, one of the biggest issues, I think, if you're a young family, is, is buying a house at an affordable price. And that's one of the big, big things also that is uh, hindering um, people coming to work here from abroad, because that, that issue of the housing is still very present. And, uh, and I think that that's something that we keep on coming back to. But it's something that we all need to work towards and, and work with the, the municipality in, in providing more affordable accommodation. We know that in Portugal, they're now doing this uh, housing law and it's very controversial, but it needs to be done. Yeah, uh, but I think both Sean and Alda, you were talked about um, villages, you know, staff villages to cater for that. I thought that was a, an excellent concept, you know. So we've already started conversations on that. <laughs> so yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, yes, we're very keen. We're very keen on on. But again, I think one of the things we've learned from the pandemic is that something can be taken away from us. The freedom to travel is one of the things. If we think, you know, for a moment, you were not free to go anywhere you wanted, and I think this has brought a new conscience, especially in the new generations. Um, they will say, you know, I want to enjoy life now. I don't want to keep postponing my plans. I don't want to keep postponing maybe, you know, living abroad or spending time with my children. And I think the Algarve, uh, you know, gives them this safe haven where you can work from here, but you can have a better lifestyle. You can have your children here. You can get on a plane and still run your company if you need to, but don't postpone your plans. And I think this is what we see in this new generation of CEOs and owners of companies that said, no, I don't want to be selling my company in 10 years time or 20. I don't know. I can definitely sure. relate to that. Exactly. Are, yeah. They're moving up their plans. Exactly. You know, the pandemic has changed the mindset. People are saying, why am I waiting for the next 10 years to retire? Well, I'm going to do it now, you know, or I'm going to come and continue to run my business remotely, but just in a place where the sun shines. And I think also what happened with the property market was a reflex of that with the pandemic. People say, well, I was hoping to do this in 10 years. Why don't I do it now? Why don't I actually have this as my um, second primary home, which was one of the things we changed. We started saying like, it's my second primary home. I spent six months there, six months in Portugal. Why not? I think this has changed a lot. It's a game changer for sure. 
Yeah, I, I've definitely seen that reflected in, in the people that I'm dealing with. You know, it has it definitely kept me very busy with that as well. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> um, the other thing that, you know, is plans for the future. How do you see, you know, the trends developing or changing? And again, what will you do to run alongside? I go first. Um, yeah, that's it. I think we'll, um, you know, we, we've got our plan. We'll continue this journey of, of uh, continuous improvement. And it's uh, continuous improvement is endless. We, it's a big motto of ours in our business. And that's what we believe in. Um, we're very much focusing on our people, our people within uh, first as, as in our employees of building um, a future firm, building an education firm. And, you know, even if we can't keep them all, we'd like them to be the best employees for somebody else that they've ever hired, because that word will spread that they've got educated in Kintabalago. That's key for us. Um, and then that will pass through. And, you know, you, you, everybody, you're all right in what you're saying. The, the younger guys and girls now, they want things quicker and it has to move faster and they've got less patience. And you know, if they if they can if we can find a way of getting the goodness out of that, of okay, we'll now work a bit faster and uh, learn a bit faster, and then that's okay. But if that is, we do actually need to adapt and find that middle ground. But for us, we're going to continue looking at trends and developing. We're planning to open up some more new uh, restaurants in the next couple of years. We're um, we're in planning now or talks of planning of building a five star hotel. Uh, it's what the resort needs, and it's and it's um, uh, very much there. But while we've changed the audience, so we've got three generations of customers here now and residents here. The guy, the new people that are in their forties coming in in their and their early fifties are more into longevity and treatment and wellness than ever before, or than the previous generations were. So that's very much part of our mindset and, and goes back to sustainability, how we maintain things, how we manage things, our farms, uh, our training, our uniforms, everything, every little detail. It'll be all subtle changes, but when you, when you pull it all together, and you know, in some, areas, some aspects, it should be easier for us because we've been speaking for 50 years about sustainability. Just people took it for granted and didn't really mind about it. And now it's a big thing. We're built on a sanctuary. We live on a sanctuary. Where the Algarve is almost a sanctuary. You know, when you look at the tech has been, exactly. And we need to continue to invest in that. And uh, not the easy routes. There is no easy route in this. You've just got to go that route. From our point of view, um, we continue to develop. I think that what Sean just touched on, staff retainment is a big issue. Attract, attracting staff, training them, retaining them, and moving forward, um, it, they're our biggest asset. And especially in a hospitality industry, it's all about people and working with people and and serving people so this is one of our biggest issues and we're doing a lot in that sense in terms of training and development but also in terms of the company uh, we have been developing for the last few years um, another type of holiday stay which is uh, private homes with hotel service so that is buying houses that we uh, renovate 
and we offer hotel service in them. So since the pandemic, this is something that more and more people have been wanting to. So let me get that right. So people buy the homes. No, no, we own the homes. Right. We as Villa Vita own the homes. We provide service in them. So if you want uh, a private chef, a private butler, if you want it, they have daily housekeeping, they have breakfast. So it's like having your mini little hotel for yourself in a little village uh, like Salema, for example. And this is part of the authenticity and, and, and the type of client that we're finding, like more Americans, more Brazilians that are looking for this more authentic way of life without compromising on the luxury of, of having a private villa. So. Yeah, because the quality of service is key, I think, in, in that sort of offering. Absolutely, absolutely. So so definitely a lot of investment to be had uh, uh, and to be made, but uh, moving forwards and upwards. Well, we have big plans, especially, you know, within the portfolio, but for us, Lobo, and uh, as you know, in recent, um, in January, we took over Lobo with the new shareholder structure with David Sankempner and iGate and Chrono. So we have major, major plans for Valdelobo. We'll be developing our 157-room hotel in Valreal. We'll also be developing and taking forward our projects on real estate. Um, some projects that are there, but there's just been a bit dormant, if we can say. But now it's a new, a new uh, phase for the resort. So we will be developing all that soon. We'll have some information to share. But that's simultaneously... And as uh, we also say, you so, know, caring for the people uh, and also making some changes in the culture of the company and um, also with our human resources that is so, so important to support all the plans we have ahead and also very present to work together with InfraLobo and uh, the local community into sustainability. We would, this is a wish list, but, you know, we would love to believe that we could become a car-free resort, for example. You know, it's just so stressful for you where to park, to take your car, whatever. If we could ideally have less and less cars, it would help the environment. And then it would also, of course, make your life much more relaxed. So we have a lot of ideas and a lot of, uh, you know, news to share in the in the That's very time. exciting. Let's very exciting to us. Here yes. in that one. And also, again, as a region, we feel that we're not in competition the better we can make this destination, the better for everyone. And I think we can do a lot and continue. We're already doing, I have to say. We, we share information, we communicate often, but I think we need to do more together as a group. I, th I think that was one of the things we talked about last week, sure. Alde, is this about the communication across the different resorts or like a working committee, maybe to even help with uh, move change forward or help it along. Certainly, <laughs> that's, that's the, not the future, it's the present. It should be like that. Well, I can see sort of vinyl shifting a little bit. That means I'm sort of nearly out of time. Um, has anybody in the room got any questions for the panel? Thank you very much for an interesting conversation. I just have a question. So uh, I want to take us back to the beginning of the conversation about the one of the major challenges being the lack of people in this area. Uh, I know this very well. I used to own my own uh, tourism company. Now I'm in tech, so I changed a little bit. Um, and when there's an environment of lack of people, we want, I think we want to make people do what people do best. So be in contact with others, uh, just 
talking with them, creating relationships. So we, we want to automize, making make make automatic everything else. So all the bookings, all the all the services that you offer. So I wanted to understand how much are you guys really investing in this? How much do you care about these areas? So making the all the experience seamless for the for the customer, uh, and and just getting the people focusing on the people and everything else being more uh, automatic. Um. Yeah, we're very focused on it. And again, the biggest challenge for, for us right now is, is the amount of or uh, the length of time it's it's taking companies to get back to us, even on how much do you want to charge us for this? And it takes weeks and weeks. And that for me is a big red flag. If these guys are going to come in and automate our business and they're a bit slow at responding on their emails, it's a bit of a red flag for me. Um you know, we, we'd like to make all of our processes as lean as possible. And it's not just to take people out. I mean, make it lean that way. We want to make life better and easier for our staff and our customers' experience. Uh, we're very much focused on it. We're, we're spending uh, a large amount of money on it this year. We did last year. We want to spend more. But to be honest with you, we're, we're truly struggling to get supplier support. Uh, and that's our, our challenge right now. So if you're in that field, you can give me a shout. Let's talk, let's talk. Um, in terms of uh, hotels, we we automate most of our reservations, but the people factor is always important because always, there's always someone you need to talk to about uh, your booking or what you want, your preference, et cetera. So there's, there's, there's a lot that can be uh, made automatic through new technologies and AI. And we're implementing that. But at the end of the day, it's still about people, like you said, and you need to have people concentrate on people. And finding people that have what they call, um, you know, uh, the psychology to understand other people, to read them, and to know what they want and to anticipate their, their needs, that is very difficult to find. And, and it has a lot to do with the person itself and how the person has been educated. So, you know, nowadays we're having to employ people from other parts of the world. I mean, we're having to employ people from India, from Brazil, because there's no staff here available. So we are very selective in the process of how, you know, who's going to work for us and what kind of experience they're going to provide to the guests. So it's, it's what they call emotional psychology. So that sort of like interaction, that's very much valued these days in hospitality. So the Portuguese themselves are brilliant at it. And, you know, you can maybe do a bad job, but if you have a nice smile and you say things with a nice way, you kind of forgive them. But, you know, more and more clients are more and more demanding. So we really need to make sure that we invest in the right people. Certainly, of course, and we're talking about technology and automation and all that. I think it's all about finding the right balance because we still work in hospitality and people do make a difference. So, yes, make it easy. But then the smile and the TLC, it can only be provided by a human. But then again, it has to be the one that is totally aligned with our goals and, and know how to be to the client. And this is, again, the challenge, bringing qualified people that can you know be there with their heart and soul. So, yeah. Passion. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pinkroom. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.